and welcome to another episode of 28 Days Later. We are back to discuss another amazing female-led genre movie. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Hannah. Hello, it's me again. And we are joined this week by our favorite third co-host, Cece. Hello. It's her again. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Cece, how are you since we uh, last had you join us? Uh, I'm good. Um, it's my birthday tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that. And yeah, just, you know, same old, same old, being busy. Happy birthday, almost. Thanks. Cece's over here being all casual, like same old, same old. What she's not telling you is since you last heard her beautiful voice, she went to Egypt. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, didn't I do something between them? <laughs> Whoops. Yes, I'm very sorry. I went to Egypt um, for a week. It was phenomenal and beyond words. Um, I mean, I'm a huge, you know, art history and history nerd. And it was just, I can't believe I said wow so many times. Like, it was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like if this was really brunch, this would be the portion where Cece would, like, whip out her Instagram and we'd all be like, ah! I can't oh, believe yeah. you got to ride a camel. <laughs> yes, I got to ride a camel. Um, I got to go inside tombs, which were really cool. Um, like, it's crazy to see that, like, there's still paint after, you know, all these centuries. And, like, they, um, like, they're not blocked off. Like, you can touch it, which is also really crazy to me. Wow. So, yeah, wow. it is. If you ever get the opportunity, it is well worth the very long flight to get there and yes i would be showing you tons of photos so be glad that we're not in person (laughs) how long is was it a direct flight or did you have multiple flights uh i had multiple flights um there is a direct flight i think from like new york but um we flew from atlanta to uh rome which is like I think nine and a half, 10 hours. And then from Rome to Egypt or Cairo, um, it is four-ish hours, but um, you only get like a three hour layover. So it is is a lot. And coming home, we flew into Paris and then home. So it was the same except opposite. But I will also say we took a flight from, from the city to Luxor and that was like an hour flight so there was a lot of a lot of flying (laughs) yeah can't take a camel everywhere sometimes you gotta no definitely not I mean not yet anyway yeah you could it would just also take time you guys (laughs) there's new inventions every day yes this is true (laughs) Uh, so since we last recorded and you guys heard Hannah and I, I remembered immediately upon editing our last episode that Hannah and I left out maybe the best story from our trip to New Orleans, which is that, and this is exactly the kind of story you would want to tell your girlfriends at brunch. We were walking around downtown New Orleans with my mom, who's going to listen to this episode and hear this story and hopefully it'll make her laugh. But um, I don't remember why this came up somehow we got to a point in the conversation where Hannah said to me, Sophie, 
I feel like you're the kind of person that once you have kids, you're just going to like pee your pants a little bit all the time. (laughs) Which is not even the punchline of the story. That's just where we started. Okay. (laughs) So my mom responds by saying, well, that's why you do. Don't forget that you also said, I'm probably going to adopt kids. And I said, I still feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) And our mom jumps in and goes, well, that's why you do Kegels. To which Hannah and I responded by laughing hysterically. Mm-hmm. And then I told my mom that I have always heard it pronounced Kegel. I've never heard someone say Kegel. Oh, I've only heard it said as Kegel. Fascinating. So yeah. Hannah and I spent the entire weekend walking around New Orleans screaming, you say tomato, I say <laughs> Kegel. And <laughs> it really yeah. uh, made our mom that, laugh a lot. You both um, were like trying to decide what's the right way to say that word. And I just started saying you say tomato, and I say kegel, and then we'd go, kegels, kegels, tomatoes, <laughs> potatoes. So is that like the new um, penis-vagina game where you just yeah. scream it as loud as possible and see who like says something back to you? <laughs> Definitely. I feel like the, the, real, the real part of, the real center of this story is that I realized a 30-year-old woman that I've always said kegel wrong. Oh. Well, it's I like mean, a real existential crisis. Maybe. <laughs> you also left out the part a uh, part of how what part of what led to that conversation was because I was telling you guys basically out of nowhere um, about a semi new fetish of uh, men putting silicone penises in their butts. This definitely came after the Kegel conversation, and I'm no, so uh, angry you it reminded was part me of it. Exists. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you mean you you were discussing this as like you just found out that this is a new fetish, or this is a yes. new fetish of yours? Oh, no. okay. Oh no, no. <laughs> well, I didn't know. Maybe you enjoyed watching it. I I mean, I thought that was a pretty honest question. <laughs> no, it is. I, it is. I just thought it's a new fetish that I was like, hey, <laughs> do you guys know about this? This is where we learn that Hannah enjoys putting silicone fetuses up men's butts. <laughs> hey, you know, to each their own. You say I'm- tomato, I say let me put a fetus in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not the first time someone has saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's off oh. my debut album, um, Things I Want to Put in Your Butt. Oh, I thought it was just the debut album Fetishes, you know. That's a very good, like, one-word type album name. Are you going to, Hannah, I feel like you're going to need to get Doja Cat to feature on a track for that uh, album. Yes. I bet she's got she, some great ideas. She wants to put all kinds of stuff in people's butts, I can tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do it, girl. I love Doja Cat. Oh, I want to be watched- Doja Cat. If you love her, um, you should watch her. So Vanity Fair, I think it's Vanity Fair. So either Vanity Fair or Glamour has these videos online, which I'm obsessed with, where they have different female celebrities doing like either like their morning routine or their Mm. nighttime routine or their makeup routine. And Doja Cat has one um, about how she likes to do her makeup like she has a cold. She's like, I just look like, I love to look like I just like have a really bad fever and I'm like so cold and I need you to warm me up, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like amazing. She puts so much blush on her nose because she likes to look like she's like literally sick. Wow. (laughs) 
That is that so is her something. explanation of it and how she does it is amazing. <laughs> Highly I recommend. Definitely going to watch that. We will link to it in the show notes. This is kind of perfect because so um, I love both of you and I know that both of you love Doja Cat and I love Doja Cat. And so Hannah and I were talking at the end of last episode and I said, if we're doing Birds of Prey next week, like Doja Cat has a song on the soundtrack, it's going to low key turn into an episode of us talking about Doja Cat. So this feels like the right place yeah. to start. Yeah, no, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> this is this is perfect. I think the answer to this is probably yes, and I might have been the reason for it. But did you both see the pictures of what she wore when she performed at the AVN Awards, and she yes. wore like the nude bodysuit that was sheer? No, I didn't see this. Hannah, how did I not send this to you? She has like she is. I will also link to this in our show notes. If you're not already following Doja Cat on Instagram, you should <laughs> make your life better and do that. Um, but she I have performed to get an Instagram. A, yeah, I'll just send things to you. It's fine. Um, <laughs> she performed at the AVN Awards, which are like adult, they're porn awards. They're like adult mm-hmm. entertainment awards. Um, oh. And she performed in a sheer mesh bodysuit so it just looked like she was nude and then there were like really exaggerated like rhinestone nipples and contour lines around her breasts and then basically a really really thin uh like landing strip of (laughs) rhinestones in her crotch and then contour lines under her butt and that was it It looked, she looked amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And not unlike what my best friend wore on New Year's, just walking around Austin, Texas, All to right. be honest. Wait, <laughs> now I have a lot of questions about what Karen wore on New Year's. <laughs> um, she literally wore a, a like, fishnet bodysuit that had, like, little uh, rhinestones embedded in, like, the whole thing. And then just, like, um, like black bralette and high-waisted black underwear. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I feel like Cece and I saying that at the same time bodes well for us getting the cheers right at the end. Oh, <laughs> let's hope so. <laughs> um, so, guys, I don't I honestly am so excited to talk about our movie for this week that I'm going to uh, cut our like chit chat at the top short unless anyone had anything that they really needed to share. Uh, I got a new tattoo yesterday. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. About that. Um, I mean, I don't. There's not even that much to say other than like I got it. It took an hour. It hurt, and uh, it's there now forever. What <laughs> is it, and where is it? Um, it's on my arm, and it's like a drawing uh, that one of my best friends did that has to do with our favorite song. Um, but I've been wanting to get it for like six, six or seven months. So I'm like really excited that it's like finally there. But he put this like bandage on it that's like a new kind of tattoo bandage where they put it on and then you leave it on for like four days and don't mess with it and then you take it off in the shower hmm um so we'll see how that goes but it's kind of weird because i really want to like take it off and kind of like fuck with it but i'm really having to like (laughs) fight that Mm -hmm. urge (laughs) that is very exciting new tattoos are so much fun. That's awesome. Although I feel like it'd be hard to have a bandage that you can't take off because I would want to like look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be hard. Well, it's clear. It's clear so I can see it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's a little better. But yeah. But it is, it's like basically having like a giant band aid on my arm for 
interesting. It will be for multiple days. Well, that's that's fascinating. Um, <laughs> and congrats on new tattoos. I'm, yes, like, very exciting. pro tattoo. I haven't gotten one in – it hasn't even been that long. It's been, like, six months, and it still feels like it's been a long time. <laughs> so. I will say that when I, when I made my appointment, I specifically made my appointment with um, the – I looked at, like, the list of names – and um, they, like, gave me, they are like, oh, this person has time, this person has this person has time. And I chose a person named Allie because I was, like, I, I, a lot of my tattoos are done by female tattoo artists. So I was, like, oh, I'd like to try to have a woman do it, even though it's, like, just on my arm. It's not like it's in, like, a sensitive place or anything. Um, but when I got there, I found out that Allie is a man. Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, so it was a dude after all. That's funny. <laughs> Well, Cece, since you're our guest this week, uh, you spurred Hannah and I to pick this movie. And speaking for myself, I'm so grateful. <laughs> Can you tell us why you wanted to cover this movie and then tell us a little bit about what it's about? Uh, sure. So um, I am a really big DC uh, comic fan in general. Uh, my brother and I always, um, you know, we were always very into Batman. He more so into the other, you know, uh, connecting stories of DC, but I'm a huge Batman fan and um, an even bigger Harley Quinn fan. So um, (laughs) I will say that I was not very pleased with the Suicide Squad situation a couple of years ago, but I did love Margot Robbie. I think Margot Robbie is a phenomenal actress, Um, super talented. I think she's... um, I mean, magnetic in anything she does. And I was super stoked with her, like, take on Harley Quinn. So when I heard she was getting her own movie, I was very excited. Um, So Harley Quinn, basically, um, well, Birds of Prey picks up a little bit after Harley Quinn and the Joker break up. So we don't see any of Jared Leto's Joker in this movie. There are some... Uh, <laughs> they some carefully, like, cropped oh, yes. out of everything, I noticed. Very carefully. <laughs> which... like, leave no trace. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, it, I think it's perfect, though, because... So it's on the heels of them breaking up, and the whole movie essentially kind of... I, I'm not going to say it revolves around the breakup, because it doesn't, but it revolves around Harley kind of exploring who she is after this partnership has dissolved and it's very interesting to see like the balance of you know of the focus on her rather than all of you know these um arbitrary characters but harley quinn is um in gotham she is kind of trying to find her footing she's a little bit of a um you know, a loose cannon. She is used to being the Joker's girl and getting to kind of do whatever she wants to do. And one night she, you know, kind of gets fed up and she hadn't really told anyone that they had broken up. So when she blows up the chemical plant where their love was born, everyone realizes like, oh, this is a very big sign that Harley and the Joker are broken up. That in turn kind of puts this huge target on her back for everyone else um, because, you know, she's a pretty integral part of the crime uh, syndicate. syndicate? Why can't I speak today? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So um, we find her kind of 
interacting or I guess meeting all of these other um, female characters who are in a way in a way they find themselves in the same type of position that Harley's in and they um, kind of have to team up to uh, you know kick some ass and uh, make a name for themselves so yeah I feel like that's First kind of, all, of succinct, right? <laughs> yes. No, that's perfect. And I'm really excited because I, so I don't know about Hannah, but I didn't see Suicide Squad mm-hmm. um, and was really turned off just from the promotional campaign by the way that Harley Quinn was portrayed. And I'm not a person that ever read DC Comics. Mm-hmm. And so when trailers for this movie first came out, I was sort of like, ugh, I just was, I feel like rolling my eyes about it. Um, And I was definitely not going to see it. And I'm so glad. I mean, I said this up top. I'm so glad that you reached out to ask if we were going to cover this movie because I fucking loved this movie. (laughs) Um, And I told Hannah, I did so much research um, for this episode. And I said to her, I was like, I don't want like spoiler alert, but I feel like my research is going to make you love this movie more. Yeah. Yeah. but I don't remember, Hannah, did you see Suicide Squad? No, I did not watch Suicide Squad. Um, and, like, like my my fear when I saw the, like, my fear when I saw the commercials, like, the trailers for this movie is, like, a lot of the DC uh, films, I feel like a lot of times, because they take, like, a Zack Snyder approach to everything, usually, mm-hmm. um... That sometimes they sort of go for, like, style, like, way over substance. So, for a movie that's, like, you know, when it's coming out with the name, like, the emancipation of Harley Quinn, like, I'm, I was very nervous about, like, how is that approach to film going to handle, like, what is being set up to be a pretty feminist film. Sure. Um yeah. And then I was, like, so impressed and so blown out of the water. Like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I, I could see myself watching it, like, a thousand more times. Um, I really like Margot Robbie. I also think she's, like, amazing. And I never saw um, Suicide Squad, but I was always really intrigued by, like, her performance just because she's so good in, like, everything she does. Like, I would watch, I would watch her, like open up, like, a fourth grader's bag lunch and read to you the <laughs> items inside. Yeah, I would too. I think she I would, would make you. that captivating. Um, and I say, like, give it six months and there will be a Vanity Fair video of her doing that. Um, Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did watch a video on Vanity Fair of, like, Florence Pugh uh, eating different British foods. <laughs> Oh, my God. She was like, "Mm, this is a toffee pie. It's good. It was, like, so boring. I was like, why am I watching this? But anyway, um, yeah, the movie was great, and I really, I was, like, so impressed by it. Um, And they definitely set it up like there's going to be more. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I really hope that there are. I'm kind of curious before we get into the conversation about this movie, like, Cece, because you clearly are coming to this with more knowledge, background knowledge than Hannah and I. Can you talk a little bit about what, like, what what for you was different about, like, I have feelings about how I think this is different from the Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad, but I didn't see the movie. Like, that's just based on the commercials, basically. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, what you, what what worked for you here that maybe didn't work there? 
So really, it's not that I'm okay. Let's back up. I was excited that Suicide Squad was becoming a movie because the concept in the comics is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that some of the characters were cast really well and relatively, like, you know, I won't say developed, but at least, like, had started that, but, um, or at least started in that direction. For Harley and Suicide Squad, it seemed like. It seemed like they realized it should, like, halfway through that it should have been, like, an origin story for her, and that's not the case. So, like, I think that's what, I mean, you know, like, she comes along much before that, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, um, it kind of, the movie itself was really choppy and just not, like, I don't know, the, the whole, like, I, I don't know, the whole tone was very bumpy in general but Harley is used as more as this like foil throughout the whole thing like she's you know it's kind of more about um you know Will Smith and Margot Robbie the entire time and Mm. because they focus on their two characters it becomes a little less like as a group film and you know, Harley's really great in a group, as we see in Birds of Prey, and she's also really great by herself. So I just feel like it kind of dropped the ball on all of the characters, but but also especially hers, because they could have, you know, we could have had a whole movie with a backstory about Harley Quinn, and mm-hmm. I would have, like eaten that up and asked for seconds. So um, I think that's kind of where I was where I was disappointed is that she's just. You're already expected to love her, and it's kind of like, well, just because it's Margot Robbie, like, I get it, but <laughs> like, give us a little right. bit more. Um, yeah. I would say that I know that, like, with the production of Suicide Squad, because it was it was like really rushed. Yeah. Um, that they definitely, I think a lot of that is is because they did a lot of like reshoots and they mm-hmm. had different directors and stuff, and they they basically had like the the production team more so than any of the directors like cut it cut up the final project so i think that that's kind of what totally did it in is that like accounts for like why the tone and everything is like so wonky in that movie is because there were so many different hands like in that cookie jar that there was just like no room oh yeah i mean i i think that once it kind of started hitting that spot they should have just been like let's pull it and start over but we also know that 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 with itself brings a lot of other issues. So I mean, I understand. I'm glad it led to this movie, and that's the important part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's really interesting, and I know, like Hannah, I want to hear your thoughts too. Um, so I I had such an interesting sort of roller coaster journey with this movie because I remember seeing trailers and feeling like oh man, it's going to be a Harley Quinn movie and I heard Suicide Squad was bad and I didn't love Margot Robbie's like teeny, teeny, tiny shorts and lots of butt shots. And I assume, like, I had, I think, a similar reaction to Hannah, which was like, I assume this movie is going to be like a Zack Snyder-esque take on this character that's just going to bum me out. Mm-hmm. And um, when Cece texted to ask if we would be interested in covering it, I was like, well, I'm down to do anything that Cece thinks would be interesting because... She's great. And I was kind of like, we'll you. see. And Jeremy and I went to see or went to see this over the weekend. 
And I was losing. I mean, I I had high expectations after talking to you about well, it. Well, hold on. Let's back up. Let's back up and tell. Like, I think you should say what I text, how I texted you after I said after I said I saw it. I said I've never seen a movie that makes me want to fuck and beat someone's ass more than this movie. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I was like, I want to watch that movie. Like that yeah. sounds amazing. That's great. Um, and it's such a good way to like. I feel like it's such a good way to. Um, to sort of instill the 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 vibe that this movie is putting out. Yeah. And so I saw this movie at an Alamo, um, which for those of you who don't have Alamo Draft House near you, they will put together like a 20 to 30 minute package before a movie that relates to it in some way. So for example, when the new Suspiria came out, Jeremy and I went early and they had like 20 minutes of experimental and interpretive dance clips from films. Very cool. To sort of like get you Mm -hmm. prepped for Suspiria. And when it's things like coming from a franchise or that's part of a larger property, they'll usually do something addressing that. And so for this, they were sort of explaining the history of Harley Quinn as a character, which was very helpful for me because I did not read the comics growing up and didn't see any of the movies really. Um, But they also made a point of talking a lot about the amount of work that Margot Robbie did to Mm -hmm. get this movie made and the fact that it was a female writer and a female director, none of which I knew before we got to the theater. So from the jump, I was like, okay, Cece loved this movie and I am getting major vibes that there are lots of women involved that really want to make a movie that feels real to people. And this movie just like delivered in spades. This movie was so, so fun to watch. And Hannah and I once in this podcast have done an episode about a woman we admire. And I think have ho- I have hoped that that becomes like a semi-regular segment. And I feel like this episode is going to, like I want to love on this movie, but I also feel like this movie is just going to turn into like women we admire. Margot Robbie is amazing. <laughs> like. Um. In that in that same vein, I don't know if you knew this, but originally, the intent was to have Suicide Squad come out and then do a separate movie about Harley Quinn, but mm-hmm. it was going to be a Harley Quinn and Joker movie. Right. And then it was originally described as when Harry met Sally with Harley Quinn and the Joker. Yeah. And right. people hated Jared Leto's performance so much <laughs> that that movie got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's. And, like, when I saw that she was, like, a producer on it, too, to me, I I felt like that was really cool because it it was, like, she used the power that she has to, like, get this movie that she really cared about made. And that Mm -hmm. made me love it even more. Well, and I think, too, like, and, I mean, I realize that I'm speaking as a a woman, but... (sighs) You're a woman? I am. It's crazy, I know. <laughs> so, but I mean, like... Who let you in here? <laughs> it's, you know, I realize that um, a lot of individuals have um, have a problem with... I mean, like, look, Harley, Qu- Harley and the Joker's relationship is super toxic. We all get it. It was literally built out, like, I mean, like, it was finalized in a vat of chemicals like we get it but outside of that like Harley herself as a character is so complex and it's so interesting to see the different 
facets. And I think that it's a really, like, there's a lot of really cool aspects to approach, I'm sure, as an actor, but also as a writer. And I don't think that I would have appreciated or enjoyed this movie nearly as much if it hadn't been handled through all of these avenues other than by, you know, female hands. Like, I I don't think that... um, I don't think anyone who didn't identify as a female could have made this movie and really, like, really touched the aspects of, like, the different parts of, you know, wanting to, like, be with someone and wanting to change yourself and then realizing, like, you know, there's just so, I don't know, like, it was just so multifaceted, but it's so subtle, too, that Mm -hmm. you're like, this is... It, it was really impressive to see that mm-hmm. in such a, like, body kind of, you know, superhero-type movie. Well, so, I think, like, prefacing it as, like, a breakup movie mm-hmm. did that in such a good way. Oh, yeah. Because it was, like, the, the idea that everything is sort of being, um, like, encased in this, like, breakup. Mm-hmm. Um, what made it such an accessible way to yes. really talk about those ideas and those um, themes without it just yeah. being like, we're shoving this down oh, your yeah. throat. Like, well, totally. And I, I think you're right, too, because, you know, we see um, we see Harley, obviously, as a as you know recovering or trying to find herself from this breakup from Joker but then we also have you know all these different characters who are kind of experiencing the same type of things like we've got Black Canary who you know is kind of trying to find her way um in you know she knows that being at Roman's bar is not really where she wants to be and that you know like there's other th- Roman's obviously got other things on his mind, but that we have, um, we also have, you know, Montoya, who's this detective who's been like, you know, passed over multiple times and not only passed over, but like she's not getting the credit for all the work she's doing. And then, you know, we've got um, the Huntress, Helena, and um, even uh, Cassandra Kane, who find themselves like, in these pivotal moments of like transformation and just seeing different forms of the same emotion is super, super cool. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different, I don't know. I, I was beyond impressed with how, how that was all visually and um, care, like, you know, and developed through the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of love, so I um, I read a, several articles sort of after seeing the movie and then getting ready for this episode. And one of the things that I read talked about the fact that, so Margot Robbie pitched this movie like five years ago. She pitched this while Suicide Squad was happening. And when she first pitched it, the studio was like, okay, but how does the Joker fit into the story? <laughs> And her response, which I think is so great, because, right, the answer is he's not in the movie. But the way that she answered the question was basically being like, listen, Harley and the Joker's relationship is so toxic. It's very all or nothing. So, like, if he's in the movie at all, he'll have to be in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. But I think it's better if, like, they are broken up and he's not in it at all. Yeah. Which was, like, which, A, is feels true to the character. Oh, definitely. Um, 
And B means that you can leave that a really terrible, unfortunate performance out of your movie and be yeah. like, let's just pretend like that never happened. <laughs> and it's interesting because several of the articles that I read and one interview I watched, because this movie came out around the same time as the Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker, mm-hmm. people have been like, would you do a movie with your Harley Quinn and that Joker? And it's like, what if you just let Harley be her own character? And yeah. she handles that really well too, where she's like, they live in very different Gothams. Like, these are yeah. different universes. You can't just, like, smash them together. Right. But it shows how much people are uncomfortable just letting that character exist on her own yeah. and not need the Joker to be part of her story. Yeah. And that's, and that's I think, really unfortunate because, you know, I mean, but I think th- there's a scene in the movie that, like, Harley explains like she's talking to I think it's the it's the night that she meets Black Canary and she, and she doesn't know that's who it is at the time but she's explaining like you know do you know what a harlequin is and that uh, basically like a harlequin is just to serve it's just to be there like to help you know with the actual like you know main attraction and outside of that like no one cares and like that's such a I don't know it's such a resounding statement for this movie and this character but also like it, it's very timely and important to this you know this world so I think that I mean everyone involved with this movie was genius in the way they were handling it and I think that you know there's yes there are issues with the movie and you know I know that there's um, you know I know a lot of people kind of feel kind of you know, baited a little bit with like, like, is he, isn't he with um, Ewan McGregor's character, Roman. And, you know, I like, I'm all for it. Like, I think that like, if you're going to do it, like do it right, lean into it, like make it what it is and, you know, have the characters be themselves. But, um, you know, I, I do think that this is one of the best DC like superhero films. I think it's someone someone I was talking to described it as the Thor Ragnarok of DC. And I was like, (laughs) you know what? I agree with that. It was so fun. Yeah, it does. It just feels right. So, I mean, not that it can't stand on its own, but if you need a comparison, (laughs) I feel like it's a really good comparison. Yeah. I had the experience of um, now this is going to maybe be a controversial opinion. If not to you guys, then maybe to some of our listeners. Um, It is. I feel like I'm probably on record somewhere on the internet as being a person who, when um, Wonder Woman came out and people were like, this is the movie about a woman as a hero that I've always wanted and never had. Mm -hmm. I, and I know Hannah and I have bitched about this a lot, at least personally and privately, that like, I was very resistant to that because I was like, fucking 2016 Ghostbusters was that movie. Yeah. And if y'all had gone to see it, <laughs> right. we could have had more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's not to shit on Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was really good as well. But I feel like... I <coughs> left, it's just okay. <laughs> I left this... Yeah, I left this movie being like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. this movie... Because I feel... And I, I do want to get into this topic maybe later about, like, the kind of pressure that gets put on a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um and Ghostbusters when it's like a movie that is helmed by women that's trying to compete in an arena that is like typically male and it's like not there's so much extra pressure where like a movie like that's not allowed to fail because like women have to be yeah 
women and people of color and folks that are queer like have to be at a hundred or higher all the time whereas mm-hmm. like straight white dudes can be mediocre and everyone's like yeah this is fine yeah. um so we can kind of get into that and i'm not like i thought wonder woman Under woman was fine but like i came out of this movie feeling the way that ghostbusters made me feel where it's just fun to get to watch like a group of women kick ass um and just like be and sort of be fighting the the patriarchy and fighting the sort of like male systems in their lives in different ways like cc said all these characters are sort of like butting up against that wall in different ways that all feel really true and they're all handling it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think like feels incredibly relatable and was really, really refreshing to see. So what do you mean you left this movie feeling like how every other like fanboy has gotten to feel over the past like forever? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, no wonder superhero lives. movies keep getting made. This is amazing. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. I feel like Cece. I assume that most dudes leave Thor movies being like, "I want to break things and fuck right? things," and it's like I didn't know that was a way to feel in this movie. And I was like, I "No, I get either. it now." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a thousand percent. I get it now. Yeah, and you know, I think that <laughs> I think you're right. Like, I I've been I didn't realize how much I had been waiting for. A movie like this because I mean we're, we're starting to get get more movies that you can relate to and see yourself in and you know like yes Ghostbusters is awesome it was such a fun time Wonder Woman was awesome but like you know my only problem and because I love Gal Gadot too my only problem is like she's almost too perfect <laughs> And I'm like, mm-hmm. I need some, like, nitty-gritty, like, I'm not a perfect person. Yeah. Um, like, and- I will eat cold cheese with out of a can. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't. Yeah, like, I'll, I want I'll rub my will. tears into my dog's fur as it sits next to me on the yeah. sofa. Like, yeah, like, I need some of that stuff. And, you know, like, Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok is fantastic. So, you know, just to see, like, all of those things from different movies that you've wanted before, like, put into relatable but like super sexy super badass like faulted but awesome and just super real characters Mm -hmm. is like exhilarating like I was on cloud nine now Cece I want to tell you and I don't know if you know this Hannah that um I don't think that you knew this when you brought this movie to our attention but the birds of prey was a movie that was essentially created over brunch. I did not. So it makes it like especially perfect for our podcast. So Christina Hodson, yeah, Christina Hodson, who's the writer for this movie. um, Margot Robbie had been making it known that she wanted to make a movie about Harley Quinn that gave her her own storyline. She and Christina Hodson met for coffee, which became like, pizza and coffee and lots of mimosas yes and margot Robbie is like yeah next thing we knew it's like a wednesday afternoon we're drunk and we've like written out the whole storyline for this movie hell yes that Um, makes me so happy right because it just again like it just it it makes all of everything about this movie feel more like awesome and relatable there is something that i think um some of our listeners who are men might not be able to like 
emotionally understand, even if you can conceptually understand what it feels like to think about like two women just like hanging out and writing a movie and then being like, we want to get a director who's also a woman. And the woman who directed this movie, um, Kathy Ann, was the first Asian-American woman to ever direct a superhero movie and the second woman period yeah. to direct like a DC or Marvel movie. Well, and she doesn't have that many movies. Like she's not a very like, pr- like, um, I, I don't know, a very well versed director. Like she's, yeah. she's done a few like short films and like mm-hmm. maybe one movie. So to like land a DC movie, regardless of its, <laughs> of DC movies, rep- reputations is super awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. Um, so I want to talk sort of like while we're in this uh, conversation about women and having women uh, involved in the process, we've sort of alluded to and talked about a little bit um, the nature of this film being sort of about not just Harley Quinn, but the women who are around her. Um, I watched an interview with Margot Robbie and several other cast members and uh, and the director and the writer with Rotten Tomatoes. And sh- and Margot Robbie was saying how it was really important to her from the get-go that this movie had Harley Quinn sort of like surrounded by a girl gang. And mm-hmm. she was like, I feel like women understand that like we're always rolling with our crew. Like we're not ever doing shit by ourselves. We're always with like our gang and I don't like seeing movies that's just, like, a woman on her own who has, like, one girlfriend. Like, we always have our, like, group of women. Um, and I just, like, I love that so much. I love the idea that, like, that's another thing that I didn't really know that I was missing until yeah. this movie came out. I was like, yeah, I just want to see, like, a group of women just, like, Supporting each other and tearing shit up. That's what I want. Well, and a group of women who, like, look, I love Bridesmaids. I love Trainwreck, Girls' Night Out. All those movies are great. But they have the same problem for me. And that's, like, when you start handling more, like, quote-unquote feminist-type situations and you really try to have these, like, hard conversations, they turn into, like, either arguments where, like, at some point in the movie, that's the, like, you know, that's the... The, the turning point, like, they they split up and they're mad at each other. And then, you know, the whole last act is them, like, becoming friends again and then realizing mm-hmm. that, you know. And it's like, okay, yeah, girl friends fight and have arguments, but so do dudes. Dudes aren't constantly like, well, how are your feelings? Are you okay? Like, you should really <laughs> apologize. Like, no. Right. Just let me say some mean shit. Get it off my chest. You say some mean shit. Okay, cool. Let's go and finish this. Like, you know, yeah. we, like I, I need it to not be cheesy. And this was like the perfect po- like because I mean, <laughs> Harley Quinn is a bad friend. I mean, these people aren't friends at first anyway. I don't know that mm-hmm. they're really friends afterwards either. But, you know, like <laughs> they don't really trust each other. And that's constantly brought up. But it's brought up in a way that it's like, hey, you're a garbage person. But it's like, I'm kind of a garbage person, too. Mm-hmm. And we're in this together, so we're on the same team. Like, let's go. There's not any, like, oh, well, you know, Harley. And, like, the end of the movie was perfect. Like, no one's mad at Harley and Cassandra Kane for, like, going off. They're just like, well, that's just how she is. It's cool. Like, yeah, exactly. Her thing. <laughs> we should have expected it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, 
man, this movie is fantastic. I had a place to go and I <laughs> forgot. But I want to, like, this is kind of going backwards, but um, because we've sort of left the conversation about the Joker, but one of the things that I know really bothered Hannah about the trailers for Suicide Squad, because again, she and I both did not watch it, were the, like, uh, I did not love, like, the costuming of Harley Quinn, at least in the promotional stuff for Suicide Squad. Um, and Hannah was bothered by her daddy's little monster t-shirt um and i read an article one of the articles i was looking at that was in the la times and was sort of talking about the way that margot Robbie really sort of took charge of this movie and and they talk about the fact that like and this didn't even occur to me watching the movie and i was like wow this is both a beautiful symbol and also definitely happened and i didn't pay attention to it that that was such a big part of the marketing for suicide squad and that in this movie the majority of the shots that we see in the uh, marketing are her wearing that shirt that just says Harley Quinn all over it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is like, re- I am reclaiming myself. Like, I am identifying myself as myself oh, and not yeah. in my relationship to, like, the men in my life who have treated me shitty. Although that did bother me a little bit because I was like, where did she get that shirt? Right. Well, I'm hoping that she made it, you know, like, (laughs) but I did see something else, too, um, because, you know, (laughs) in her outfit for Suicide Squad, those shorts are like sequin shorts like that chafes, especially if you're like sweating and being active and like trying to like Mm -hmm. run. So like there's plenty of ways. And I mean, that's why, like, I know that there was a lot of like trolling about well I don't know why they didn't make them attractive like I was super super attracted to all of these women in this movie I was gonna say and I don't know what corpse was watching this movie and being like no right? these bitches are hot like, <laughs> you're like, wrong are you kidding I was me? aroused for the entire runtime <laughs> yes so like I thought everything about Harley's outfit and I liked how when um Montoya is wearing, like, later in the movie, she wears part of um, Harley's outfit, like, um, like the bustier, and it turns out to be um, bulletproof. Like, that's, that's such a cool aspect because it's like, yeah, you can be sexy and it can be, like, it can be, um, what am I trying to say? Functional. Functional? Functional, that word. (laughs) You know, like, so I think that it's such a, like, there's ways to handle that and it not be like, like, what person, regardless of, you know, gender or whatever, but it's like somebody was not thinking very clearly where they were like, okay, have this character run around in sequin shorts because. Mm -hmm. This character who's constantly doing, like, acrobatic stunts needs to be. In sequin shorts that are so short that there's no way that her vagina would not be ripped open every time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, can you just imagine, like, the chub rub from that? Like, even if you have the biggest thigh gap ever, you're still going to be, like, blistering and raw and, like, so chafed. It would be terrible. That was designed by men who are like, man, it's so nice to wear, like, boxer briefs and shorts so that my thighs (laughs) never touch each other. Um, Yeah. If your thighs have never met, that must be really nice for you. It must um, be. The, the last five minutes, I had some real solid quotes for both of you guys, by the way. But well, next t-shirt I, needs to be, I was, what did you say? I was turned on for the entire movie. I was aroused movie. for the entire runtime. I Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the entire runtime um, is pretty good. 
The so I want to talk a little bit about the like fight choreography and the stunts in this movie because I think that there are people out there, hopefully not people who listen to our podcast, but there are people in the world who are going to feel like whatever this is a movie about a girl super villain and like we don't care and it's wimpy and stupid because it's about a girl these fight sequences were stunning oh yeah i mean they were gorgeous i thought they were so well done yeah and cc you mentioned up top like this is a director who had mostly done indie stuff before this and yeah and these fight scenes are shot, like, I hate the trend currently in action movies where it's, like, the fight sequences are, like, lots of really short cuts where you can't tell what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And this movie, all the fight sequences are these beautiful, like, long, slow kind of takes to focus on all the acrobatic stuff that's being done and following Harley around. Um, it's just really awesome. Um and I don't know how much of her own stunts she did. I did read that she did the stunt where um, she is being pulled on the roller skates by Huntress. She did do um, at That's least that awesome. stunt. Whoa. And some of the fight choreography looked like it was her as well. Um, but, like, not since Atomic Blonde have I been so blown away by an actress just, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah breaking shit and being super strong and agile and awesome. (laughs) Well, and, like, I think, um, I have to say, like, the, the idea to have, like, the biggest fight scene to be inside the carnival and them, like, kind of, it, it was also so real because, like, it's mostly, you know, all the women in Birds of Prey fighting men who are much larger than them and most of them have guns so it's them have it's the women in Birds of Prey having to really adapt to that and it was awesome to see like it be more like acrobatic and more like resourceful where they're like using what's around them to mm-hmm. like you know yeah. You know, as opposed to, like, it being, like, a physical strength, it's really a show of, like, resourcefulness and, like, using what's around them and, and like, even kind of playing off of each other. So I I thought that, like, you're totally right. The way that it was written and choreographed was super, super smart and just so fun. Like, the whole time you're just watching, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's both hilarious and awesome and just kind of, I don't know it lends itself to just letting you get sucked into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it's the person, so dynamic. I, I, I saw it with a guy. And one thing that he pointed out was like the number of times where a, a female, but per, in particular, like Harley Quinn will like use the man's weight mm-hmm. against them. Like use the yeah. force of what they're doing to like, to like introduce another object or something that ends up like bouncing off of them or bouncing back into them and like killing them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Like it w- was really clever. Like, cause a, it was just cool the way that that looked and the way that that fit into each fight. But it's also like, just for like sort of like what it represents mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the context of what's going on within the movie. 
and in the larger conversation of it, it was like so perfect. Cause like a lot of times the dudes were just attacking with like brute force and not like thinking it through. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that the women were able to like see all the different options or like the different variables and play off of that was like, I mean, like exquisite. Yeah. It's really awesome. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, like, it's really awesome. <laughs> in case you can't tell, like, Hannah has already given me shit for being a nerd and sort of an overachiever, but, like, I'm sitting here looking at my notes of all the things I want to tell you guys about the stuff, particularly that Margot Robbie did in the background to, like, get this movie made and make this movie what it is, and I just, like, want to tell you about it. So let me tell you all the things. (laughs) Um, So first of all, this is the first producing credit for Margot Robbie in her new production company, which is called Lucky Chap, which she founded when she was 24 years old. Wow. There is a profile of her in Variety around the time that this movie came out where her friends. She's 29 now, guys, just to remind you. She's 29 She's very young. Yeah. Um. (laughs) But her friend is talking about her, and it says, um, the company was born at their kitchen table out of Roby's desire to create her own work. She would read scripts and say, I want to play that character, but it's a guy. How do I self-generate? It says, also, she was at a place in her career where she had the ability to set up a company and wanted to support other female creatives and give them a platform that she was getting herself. So I think, like, we see this... Like, we saw this with Jordan Peele, right? Like, when he mm-hmm. got to make movies, one of the first things he did was say, I want a producer who's not white. And mm-hmm. Hollywood was like, we don't have, the, we don't make those here. And he's like, okay, I'm going <laughs> like, to go find what? one. What is that? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go find someone who can, who can compose music for me. And he found this incredibly talented composer who has done both of his theatrical release movies with him. Um, and so, like, I love... The, I love the idea that, like, Margot Robbie, as a, as a very young actress, was able to recognize, like, I am getting offered a lot of roles, but I'm getting offered roles that are, like, for sexy, young, blonde mm-hmm. women, and I want to do other stuff, and maybe the way to do that is to, like, make my own company. And then on top of that to say, I want to make sure that my company is sort of, like, bringing in other female creatives is just so fucking cool. Um, Like, again, this is all stuff that like I had no idea and didn't know about her. Um, The variety article also talks about this program um, that she put together with Christina Hodson, who's the writer of this movie. Um, they were sort of talking about the fact that there are just not enough female screenwriters working in Hollywood. So they have a program called the Lucky Exports Pitch Program, which is a four-week writer's room. Um, They had six writers, and all of them were women, and four of them were women of color. And they used this program to, like, help each of these women workshop their writing projects and pitch them. And then Margot Robbie's production studio picked up several of the projects to try to, like, make into movies. That's awesome. That is amazing. Isn't that so cool? (laughs) Like, it just makes me very happy. Um, 
So like, I feel like we're case... not even gonna need in later news this time around because like this is basically Margot Robbie is the in later news. Um, no, that's yeah, yeah like, like I Margot said, Robbie I just... is already doing it. Um, I like 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 I said, I feel like this episode for me is just gonna turn into women we admire. That like, and for me, it's like a woman I admire so fucking much that I did not know that I admired her this much until like Saturday. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think that it's really amazing the, the kind of work that she does. I remember seeing her in Wolf of Wall Street and being like, she is such a phenomenal actor and I'm sad because I feel like what happens to really phenomenal actors that are young and pretty is that they get typecast and then after they, yeah. after like five years, you never see them again. And I think Margot Robbie Or when you really see them, worked. it's... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, or that you see them in roles, like, that they're underutilized, like, in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Yeah, so I love that I feel like she has really, like, leveraged her her success thus far in a way that is really exciting and makes me... Like, at this point, I'm going to pledge publicly on this podcast that, like, I will see any movie with Margot Robbie in it for the rest of her career. I'm, like, oh, very yeah. excited I'm for her to do totally all with kinds you of there. other things. Um, she even talked about, like, that Variety profile talked a little bit about the way that she prepped for Suicide Squad. Um which is really interesting because I feel like, again, I, I, sh- I feel like I have to keep saying, like, I did not see the movie, and so... Of course, my perception of it is, like, based on ad campaigns. But, um, mm-hmm. like, I did not – I had low – I have low uh, estimations of it just from, like, my vague knowledge of the movie as a whole. And I feel like that movie – I mean, it feels like, based on what you said, Cece, like, that movie underutilizes her character and, like, does not necessarily do her character justice. And I think mm-hmm. despite that, like, she went out of her way – to read about domestic abuse and read about toxic relationships and read about schizophrenia oh, yeah. and watch TED Talks and listen to lectures. Like, she is clearly someone who cares a lot about every role she gets, whether or not the people making the movie care as much as she does, which I think yeah. is really exciting. So, um, the last thing I want to talk about, which I sort of alluded to earlier, because I think... Oh, it well, hold comes, up. I just want to say, oh, if ahead. we're getting close yeah, to you, yeah. because I feel like we're getting a little more into, like, you know, meteor discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to make a quick point. Um, this is a little bit of a spoiler. First of all, whoever cut their trailer was phenomenal because you think it gives so much away, <laughs> and it does not. And the fact uh-huh. that yeah. in this entire... The entire movie is really about her just wanting a freaking breakfast sandwich was like, I, I was like, yes. I have never felt more seen in my entire life. When I saw so that, the, when I saw that the clip of her emotionally screaming, yeah, that they showed so much in the trailer mm-hmm. for this movie was because of her sandwich. <laughs> I, this was very early on in the movie. I was like, I don't even care what happens next. I, like, yeah. I'm in. This movie has already <laughs> right? won me over. Oh, absolutely. Like, so absolutely. much of the stuff that, that 
that I saw in the trailer and got scared about mm-hmm. was like within the first like fifteen minutes oh, of the yeah. movie, and it and wasn't... none of it was in the way I expected it no, to be. Exactly, right. and I was like, yeah. oh my god, how it's so it's so rare to see that for a movie. Period, mm-hmm. where like that is so like hyped like this, where there is so much material that you come across for it to surprise you. Or, like, keep you guessing or be like, wow, that's so not what I thought that was going to be so soon. And, like, the first, like, half hour oh, yeah. is, like, truly an impressive feat. Yeah, yes. definitely. So, Cece, I'm so I sorry. So I just glad had to brought that up. <laughs> no, so glad you brought that say, up like, because that's so true. Um, I have to say that one of my notes, too, about it is, like, one thing that I loved uh and I may have already said this to you, Sophie, I'm not sure, but I loved how, like, when she's being held captive and she's, uh, she's like, check my pocket, and they pulled out a tampon. Yes! Which is already, hilar- like, hilarious joke. Love that they did that. But yeah. it made me laugh, like, extra hard because the tampon is just a loose tampon. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is e- another layer because if this movie was just for women, the tampon would be, like, in its packaging. Yeah. And or we would it just know. speaks to how unwell Harley Quinn is that she's like, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like, fine. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But to me, it was like, to me, it was like an added level where it's like, where it's like, we can't just have like a tampon in the wrapper because guys like won't know what that is. Right. It's like, we have to have right. a, like, we have to have a full <laughs> naked tampon with the applicator already pulled out. Right. Or else they would be like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? A sugar packet? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, even in moments like that, where it's like this joke is like, quote unquote, like for the women in the room, it's still for the men. Like it still has mm-hmm. to be made accessible for the men in the room. Which I yeah. thought, like, is, uh, like, it's hilarious, cause of, and also unfortunate, but also, like, it still works, that it ha- like that they have to do it that way. Yeah. That is such a good point. Um, so I alluded to this earlier. I sort of want to have, and we don't have to do this for a long time, but I'm kind of interested, again, because, like, Ghostbusters 2016 is the hill I will die on. Um, <laughs> but I, one of the articles I read um, that was in Vox sort of talked about the unfair pressure that got mm-hmm. put on Birds of Prey that gets put on a lot of movies like this. And I think, like, they're talking specifically about movies like Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman and this movie that are happening within the superhero universe, either Marvel or DC, which typically is geared towards men, although obviously men are not the only fans of the franchises. Right. Um, And the fact that then the assumption is like, well, men won't watch the movies if they're about women. And so the pressure on those movies is so much higher. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we, like, Cece, you were on our episode and we talked about Black Christmas. Like, I think some of that came up in that episode as well, where it was Mm -hmm. like, if people don't, like, I think some of the conversations about that movie after it came out, I think we can all agree that that was not a perfect movie, but I think some of the conversations ended up getting framed like, well, it's like you all wanted a woman to do it and, a, and women did it and it wasn't good. You know what I mean? Right. It's like that's not, like that would never be the conversation if it was a man. It's just that like yeah. Yeah, everyone takes just it being the, a man for granted. The conversation about around movies like that so often is like, it was like, oh, it's like so obviously for women or like yeah. it's so obviously... Right. Only about women or whatever. And it's like, but what about every fucking other thing that's Mm -hmm. not about women? Like, everything else is about men. And we don't talk. 
We don't go like, ah, oh, this movie was so obviously just about men that, like, I couldn't see anything past that. Yeah. And I think if you ever <laughs> made that argument about any movie, like, even movies that are clearly super male gazy and, like, intended for male audiences, mm-hmm. like, men would be furious, right? Like, oh, yeah. If you were like, this movie is just for men, people would be really angry. Yeah. Well, and, like, I get I get real riled up about the, this whole situation, and... um you know, I, I get very, I won't, I won't name any situations outright where this has happened, but, um, you know, it's made me really aware that when there's female driven movies, all of a sudden, I mean, like we're saying, there's all these extra layers of like, well, it's not realistic. I'm sorry. Is that a requirement for movies now? Is to be realistic? <laughs> like, right. are, you know, and especially like, especially when you try to compare it to other movies that are so out of the like realm of possibility that you're like, this just happened and you loved this movie, but now because it's a female driven movie, all of a sudden it has to be real or it has to like, you know, there, there's all these, there's all there's these extra ex- boxes. Yeah, and I, I don't yes. know where those come from, and mm-hmm. it it immediately deteriorates the conversation, and that's the frustrating part. Like, look, if you don't like it, okay, cool. Like, you don't like it. I I don't think that you should have to like everything just because it's all women or it's all, you know. Mm-hmm like you know a minority or all just you know whatever like I think that you're still allowed to like what you can like but when you immediately start like closing those those lines of communication because it you know doesn't meet these weird requirements that's the like th- that's to everyone's detriment and <laughs> I was I, I kind of read a little bit but it was making me mad so I was trying not to read it <laughs> but, like you know everyone wants to talk about how birds of prey is a flop, but like it was an eighty million dollar movie. It made eighty million dollars the first weekend. That's how Not is that a flop? flop. Like it yeah. made back what it used, and so now it's making a profit. And you're gonna tell me that all of a sudden, all of these movies like I'm sorry, Thor two. Who the hell liked Thor two? Who likes half the Batman's that get made? Like, mm-hmm. has there been a good Batman since the Nolan Batman's? I don't know, but they still keep making movies. How do how does Joker keep getting made? Like like there's all these <laughs> weird <laughs> like nobody goes, "Hmm, this was a bad movie. We're never making those again." All of a sudden yeah. it's like, "We're going to keep making this movie until someone says they like it." Well, right. why don't female-driven movies get that same thing? If totally. you don't like it, okay, cool. Well, let's keep making more movies until you go, "Oh, yeah, this is good." I'd be open to seeing a movie that you think is good that's character driven and that's doing the same things that, you know, audiences want to see. But it doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be the conversation most of the time. And that's where it's frustrating. It doesn't feel like female creatives get the chance to like to fuck up. It's basically like, no, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. People are like, well, you got what you want and it wasn't good. I remember listening to. An interview, I th- I'm i not even going to say where it was because I won't remember and I don't want to mischaracterize it. But I remember listening to an interview recently with a female horror writer, I think. Um, 
talking about the idea that like she was pitching a movie to a studio and they were basically like, well, we tried doing a movie with a woman once and it didn't work. And like to them, that didn't feel ridiculous. <laughs> right. But it's like, yeah, but how many men movies have you made that a man directed that didn't work? Right. And yeah. you're not like, we can't have men direct movies anymore. <laughs> like, Get them out. That would, Get no out. one would ever say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way and we're all like full of fire and we all want to like break shit and fuck shit. I think we're going to close so that you can all go and do whatever you need to do at the end of listening to this episode. <laughs> no judgments Wonderful. here. Um, Fight and fuck whatever see, you need to. Exactly. Cece, where can folks find you on the internet? Um, so I am on Twitter at calls in the night. Um, I'm also on the weekly bloody good horror podcast and sometimes I do, very rarely, I do movie reviews anymore or book reviews on their site, but I still try to. Um, I'm also um, highly affiliated, and I do the artwork for the uh, Grimm magazine, which is a semi-academic, um, all-inclusive horror and kind of like just dark um Fiction, movie, all kinds of fun things, magazine, and you can find that at anatomyofascream.com. And Hannah, where can people find you on the internet? Post-production, insert crickets here. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Well, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can send us an email. We are 28dayslatier at gmail.com. You can also follow us or, better yet, hit us up on Twitter. We are at the number 28, dayslady underscore ER. Uh, Until next time, everyone, just, like, keep doing great and uh, maybe break some knees, you know? Just do what you got to (laughs) do. Clink, clink. I said it too soon. Oh, we're getting there, you guys. We are getting there.